Alrighty. Ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Hey yo, I'm CK and you're listening to Practice. I'm your functional systems integrator, and this is my podcast where practice is not just the theme of the show, but the whole purpose behind it. What started out as a practice of podcasting, as well as speaking in general, has evolved into a practice of self-coaching and self-reflection while espousing half-thoughts and providing unsolicited advice. As always, I'm fortunate to be joined by my practice partner and partner in life, Pam. Hey, that's me. Pam is also my Pattern Awareness Manager, and every Sunday we reflect on the past week and my progress with this practice, along with other lifestyle practices, as well as theories and ideas behind the virtues of practice itself. We're doing this on the fly, so don't hold me responsible for what I say here. Make sure to check out my show notes, where I'll provide some fact-checking, self-psychoanalysis, and commentary on things I could have done better. You may find this and more information about this project at forcesofequal.com practice. We're recording today on Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. It's 11-22. 1122 2020 Lots of <laughs> doubling going on today. Yes. Today we are recording practice session number 39. Oh, I was hoping for a doubling there. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that stinks. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it. Yeah. Oh, well. So, let's see, what can we talk about today? Should uh, Let's go ahead and recite the quote for the day. The quote, I think I'm still saying quote. <laughs> Today's quote comes from Stoic philosopher Seneca. I've quoted Seneca many times before. Here's the quote. But life is very short and anxious for those who forget the past, neglect the present, and fear the future. Short and sweet, but it's pretty loaded. There's a lot. I mean, it's pretty simple, but at the same time, it says a lot, which is what I like about it. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy the time dimension of it. Of course, there's the past, present, future, and... I'm, I've been thinking of a lot about the past, present, and future and how our minds function. And of course, we talk about mindfulness a lot and how that has to do with being present in the moment. And so I think I may be able to weave this in with the uh, the topics that I'm going to go over today. I'm not sure. <laughs> felt a little nervous and anxious while I was saying that. Uh, <laughs> my mind's in a lot of places. There's, I have a lot of thoughts going on, but kind of continuing on from stuff that we've talked about in weeks prior and see what we can do. So let's see, before we get into the things, how was your week, Pam? Um, it was good. I finished the third of my classes in my astrology university degree program. Mm. So pretty excited about that. Mm -hmm. um, did not get 100% on my final. There was one trick question, so I got one wrong. Um, but I'm Dope. trying to let that go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I started taking an NLP class, which uh, neuro linguistic programming, I think is what that mm -hmm. stands for. Um, so it is um, sort of a, a coaching and behavioral um, modification practice. And it came up when you read that quote because one of the um, like tenets of NLP is basically that you take the person or yourself as you are now without considering the past, hmm. which can be a little bit sticky because obviously we are who we are now because of the past. Mm -hmm. But in your quote, you said um, that, what was it, life is short and anxious? Yeah, for those who forget the past, right. neglect the present, and fear the future. Right, so um, forgetting the past 
is what brought up the idea of that tenant for NLP because um, they talk about how cognitive behavioral therapy really digs into what happened in the past, whereas mm-hmm. NLP is just like, this is where you are now. How do we change your patterns to move forward? And you don't really get into where your patterns came from so much hmm. as you just work on changing them. So I thought that was an interesting kind of juxtaposition to that quote. Yeah, that is interesting. And that kind of goes against a lot of the thoughts I've been having around this kind of stuff. I'm definitely interested in the NLP and I'll probably take that course or look into it or take pieces from it or something. But yeah, that's very interesting. And now my mind's going in a lot of crazy (laughs) directions. Yeah. So I I get that. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see what I can do with that. (laughs) Yeah, and I may be totally butchering it because I just started the class, so there may mm-hmm. be other um, pieces that I'm leaving out. But but yeah, it really does seem like they just say, this is who you are now. Let's figure out how to get you from current state to desired state. That's the entire goal with NLP mm-hmm. is current state, desired state, and how you get from A to B. Mm-hmm. So you don't spend a lot of time digging into how you got to the current state. Yeah. I mean, I think I can see the benefit of that, but... Yeah, I'll I'll have to think about that some more. Yeah. So, man, I don't even remember my week, really. I think it <laughs> went pretty well. I've been in a pretty good flow lately and getting into a routine. And I've gotten back to website work. So that's been fun. I haven't been doing too much of that since I started doing all the stuff around the music and the sound and working on the Not Bad Advice trailer and all that stuff. So on that note, the Not Bad Advice trailer has been published Mm -hmm. and it's available in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I'm not sure if it popped up anywhere else yet. I think I saw it in Google Podcasts or whatever their podcast thing is. And so you can check that out. Go look for, search for Not Bad Advice. And if that search doesn't work, try Forces of Equal. I don't know. These podcast search engines are finicky, it seems like. (laughs) So, yeah, that's available. And check it out. (laughs) That's what I've been working on. (laughs) Please subscribe. You will get some not bad advice that will help you improve your life. Yep, there you go. And we'll be releasing the first episode in about two weeks. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> and so, yeah, things have been going well on the website. It's, uh, I, you know, it's nice to go back to something that I know how to do and I'm comfortable <laughs> doing. So <laughs> not as much troubleshooting, although with web stuff, there's always troubleshooting as well. But that's expected and I, I know to expect that. So, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a good week. And... I think, well, I've been pretty anxious, I guess, ever since last week and, well, I mean, just the whole pandemic, Um, I don't know if this will come through to listeners, but our neighbor's revving his motorcycle or something, it's stupid, (laughs) (laughs) I should be able to clean that up. But anyway, I'm still really anxious about what's going to happen with the pandemic during this week with Thanksgiving, especially with the U.S. leading the world in infections and deaths, Mm -hmm. which is not such a great thing to be winning at. (laughs) And now Thanksgiving being an American holiday and an American concept, that's just going to Uh, it'll really show what's going to happen when people get together because we'll be able to compare with other countries that don't have this kind of concept. I saw that a million people flew on Friday. What? Yeah, which is about a third of the usual that fly that day. So Uh that's, that's bad. Jeez. Yeah, and so they were just packed in airports and airplanes and traveling all over the country. And I've been tracking what happened after the Sturgis motorcycle rally. They're doing Uh as much contact tracing with that as possible. And that was about 
a, hun- a couple hundred thousand people that got together over the course of four or five days and that was bad. So yeah. what happens after this weekend is going to be catastrophic, I think, or after this week. Yeah, it's yeah. scary. It's mm-hmm. very scary. And I, man, I don't know how to relay how scary this is like i you know i keep trying to emphasize the risk of a whole bunch of people getting together like the whole country getting together for thanksgiving i mean not the whole country getting together but people getting together throughout the whole country Mm -hmm. and yeah so I'm coming from the perspective, so my perspective comes from reading and researching and studying sources like Johns Hopkins and JID, JIDEA from London and university sources and, prof, you know, so, so, science, really. <laughs> and I, I don't really pay attention much to mainstream news so i get a lot of news and numbers like pam's telling me through pam and as scared as anxious as i am from the research the scientific research that i do i I, like i don't want to sound like i'm a scientist but (laughs) like these are the sources Mm -hmm. that i look at and then hearing like these numbers that Pam's telling me, I, like, I cannot believe it's gotten to this point. And, you know, like I've mentioned before, it has a lot to do with human behavior and just mindfulness and how we've gotten caught into this cycle of, you know, having other people and other corporations telling us this information and just taking that information and i don't even know if the mainstream media is even exemplifying the seriousness of all this stuff like i don't feel like they are because they don't want to alienate half of their listeners yeah you know because they've they've got to make they've got to make money yeah but I, i can see that i think that we have a misguided sense of um, like what our personal freedoms are oh, yeah. that is driving this. Because there was a protest in Huntington Beach last night. We live near Huntington Beach and there's a strong um, right-wing faction there. Mm-hmm. And there's a protest last night against Newsom's, Governor Newsom's um, curfew, which in California just says you have to stay home from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., which is like when most people should be sleeping anyway. Mm-hmm. And they're protesting that as as against their personal freedoms. <laughs> Man. So, like, I don't know how we're ever going to get out of this. I mean, I understand that you're losing some freedoms and liberties, but it's such a short-sighted and narrow-minded perspective because the, the reason that this kind of stuff has to be stipulated by governments is because people can't think passive past their own little personal thoughts or you know personal feelings or personal what's the word entitlements mm-hmm. and realize that we like the government like someone in charge or some authority has to put in these regulations because people basically are too stupid to think uh, of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Like it, we talk about complex systems and these systems are dynamic and they change all the time. So a lot of the things that I see are very static viewpoints and singular viewpoints. So, like, someone might rail against one thing, like the curfew or something like that, and not, you know, consider 
all these other things going on in the whole system. You know, like people are dying, people are getting sick. We don't even know all the effects of this virus and we don't know the long-term effects. And we don't, like, I, like, I, the things that I've been seeing in mainstream media, whenever uh, it pops up in my vision, you know, I might happen to be doing something else on Facebook or researching something on Twitter or whatnot. And I'll see like the big headlines. And lately it's been around the vaccines mm -hmm. like Pfizer and Moderna, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Russia has this uh, Sputnik, I think they're calling it. And the it sounds like they're making great progress and they're over like 90, 94, 95% efficacy, which is awesome. But I don't know if people are considering or realizing or even have any idea that the vaccine development process usually takes like 10 or 20 years, mm -hmm. like one or two decades. And we've gotten around to developing this vaccine in less than a year, which is monumental. That's crazy. And it's awesome. And it's 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 really amazing that our scientists have been able to do that. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, doing something that fast, you know, like, let's say, five to 10% of the time it usually takes, you know, like what happens when you do something really fast? It usually takes a longer time, right? It doesn't come out very well. Right? So, I mean, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen with this vaccine, but we're still uncertain. And these trials, they, they basically, it, it usually goes through like three phases and they basically had to combine some phases. And so, you know, the trials aren't as thorough as they usually are. So these efficacy numbers are high, but we still don't really even know the effectiveness because efficacy doesn't equal effectiveness. And what I'm hearing is that a year from now, we'll have maybe one to two billion, we'll have treatments for about one to two billion people. That's what the projection is. Okay. The world population is something like 8 billion. Yeah. So even a year from now, we may be able to treat a quarter of the world's population. And if you think about that, who's going to get those treatments? <laughs> Who do you think? Right? So there's going to be some kind of fight for people mm -hmm. getting the treatments. And obviously we want to give treatments to more susceptible or what's the word more the like the immunocompromised people who... right right and so yeah and that's a year from now mm -hmm. and so yeah it's just stuff like that like i i people don't it, it, to me it feels like people don't feel the immediacy or the severity or the like the actual level of risk that's going on because they're it's like the whole all these concepts are psychologically distant from them you know if you're not affected personally you're still tending toward a more normalized reality where normalized meaning you know before the pandemic you, you know you're still kind of trending toward that kind of normalcy because you know if you're not seeing it and if you're not in it and if you're not like relating to it then it's easy to fall back to normal habits or you know uh revert what's the regress uh economic terms um <laughs> <laughs> words fumbling here but the whole point is that this is really serious and if you actually look into the data look into the science it's 
very scary and we need to be more serious about it. Um, maybe something that I could try to articulate here is the epidemiology of this virus. And this is something that I tried to articulate back when the pandemic started. Remember we did the thought experiment with the lily pads in the pond? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we failed that. Yeah, but uh, I'll try again here. So okay. we were talking about the R not R not number, the R sub zero, which is the basic reproduction number of the the basic reproduction rate of the infection. Can you simplify that? So like it's the number that if one person has the virus, they give it to this many people? Right, right. And the R not is if everybody is susceptible to the virus. So there's no immunity yet. Okay. So this, you know, this number is calculated at the beginning of the pandemic. And then as we get more data and we can get more accurate calculations of the spread of infection, they use a different value called R sub E. And I've also seen it as R sub T, which I'm not sure what that stands for, but the sub, the E in R sub E stands for effective reproduction rate. Okay. And that's a more accurate representation of the reproduction rate uh, at that point in time. So, you know, as the pandemic goes on and we're taking some measures or not, and we're developing some treatments or not, or people are becoming immune to it or not through, you know, um, getting the virus and then overcoming it or whatnot, the R sub E number will fluctuate. So, you know, if we're not taking precautions and not masking up and the virus is spreading more rampantly, the R sub E number will rise. But if we're taking precautions and flattening the curve, the R sub E will lower. Go down. Go down, yeah. And so, if you rem remember, well, <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> don't assume people heard yeah. it. <laughs> so the the thing with the R number is that if it goes past one, that means the rate will increase exponentially. So versus if it is one or lower. It won't spread as fast. So, for example, if it's one, then one person will only pass it to one other person, mm -hmm. and that one other person can only spread it to one other person. So, it's much more manageable that way. But once it starts going up past one, even 1.1, that means one person will spread it to 1.1 people, which doesn't sound like a lot, but let's take Two as an example, actually at the beginning of the pandemic, the R not number that was predicted and calculated was uh, between two and three, mm. depending on the science that you're looking at. So let's say it's R of two, which means R sub two, which or R not of two, which means that one person can pass it to two people, basically meaning that it the rate's doubling. So one person passes it to two people and those two people can pass it to four people and the four people pass it to eight people. And so you can see how it easily gains exponentially yeah. and logarithmically. And so I was trying to exe uh, exemplify this using the lily pond in a pond example. And I was playing around with this in my head and hopefully I can recite this uh, accurately because <laughs> as I was doing this, I even I couldn't believe like the, the this concept. So what, what I'm trying to articulate here is how fast this virus can spread. And so if we use the example of R, so R sub E being two, and just a quick side note here, in New York, when 
it was going crazy and the uh, infect, it, infections were spreading like wildfire, they had an R sub E of five or oh something around five. Yeah. So that's just to exemplify how crazy this can get. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'm seeing now, I think something like 30 or so states are between one and 1. 1.5 mm-hmm. or something like that. I think like there's that. only a couple that are below one. Yeah, so that's all. That's already bad, and this is before Thanksgiving, and all these people are going to get together, mm-hmm. and so all the the exponentiality is already starting, and so let's, for example, say the R R sub E is two, so it's spreading twice, you know, twice as fast, or two times for, um, <laughs> so one <laughs> person can spread to two people. Yeah, and so using the lily pods. Lily pads in a pond example. The thought exercise is to determine if the lily if, if the pond is full, a hundred percent full. Let's say in a hundred days it's a hundred percent full. How long does it take to get half full? So if you know if the lily pads multiply by two and if it doubles every day and it's full in a hundred days how long would it take to have been half full 99 days because the next day it'd be if you double it the next day it'd be a hundred does that make sense am i articulating this right um, can you just say the answer again? Like it, it, it would take ninety nine. So if <laughs> it takes a hundred days, okay. So if so, we have a pond and lily, lily pads grow in this pond. So the pond starts empty, and a lily pad starts growing, and it the lily pads double every day. Okay. And it will take a hundred days for the pond to fill. And let's say it takes a hundred lily pads to fill the pond. Okay. How many days would it have taken for the pond to be half full? And that's the ninety-nine. Right. So it takes. So, 90- so we're ki- we're kind of working backwards here in this thought exercise. So. Well, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes 99 days to get to that like half full threshold. Right. And then one day, boom, overnight, it's full. Right. Because so, yeah. it's doubling. Right. Okay. So working backwards from that, it would take 98 days for it to be a quarter full. Mm-hmm. So 25 lily pads in the pond on the 98th day. On the 97th day would be half of that, so 12.5 on the 97th day. And then on the 96th day, it would be like 6.25. 95th day, it'd be 3.125. 94th day, it'd be like 1.5625. And then on the 93rd day, it'd be below one. So starting from day zero to day 93, between day 93 and 94, you get one lily pad in the pond. So it takes 93 to 94 days for one lily pad to form. And then as it keeps doubling, just six or seven days later, it reaches 100% full with 100 lily pads. Okay, so we're not starting with one. We're starting with zero. And it takes 93 days or whatever to get to one. Right. And then it becomes explosive. Right. Okay. So taking that example, let's say let's say it takes a thousand lily pads to fill the pond in a hundred days. So then on the 99th day, there'd be 500 lily pads. Mm-hmm. And then working on down, so let's see, 93, I said, is when we get to one in the hundred example. So then 
with 1,000, 93 would be at 10, and then 92 would be at 5, and then 91 would be at 2.5, and, and then uh, 90 would be around 1 and a quarter. So around 90 days, it would take to have one lily pad appear, one full lily pad grow, and then by 10 days later, there will be a 1,000. So that's how crazy, I mean, that's just, I, I hope that kind of exemplifies this exponential growth. And if we're considering now that the R sub E is just over one, we may be at that point, you know, we're already seeing increases in the rates of infection and the death rates. Well, actually, I mean, the death rates are kind of decreasing in comparison to the rates of infection because we're getting more knowledge about what to do with the hospitalized and better medications and, you know, better information around that stuff. But the rate of infection is increasing. And, and, and once our hospitals get full, we won't have that positive change to the death rate. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So that's one of the other things that I was getting to. And they were saying, you know, once the R sub E gets over some point between 1 and 1.5, that the hospitals will be full and we won't be able to manage hospitalizations and, you know, it, it, it'll just go all crazy. And so we're at that point now. We're hearing about hospitals being full and... People, you know, having to travel to different hospitals and all that stuff. And that's before Thanksgiving weekend. And these numbers are lagging indicators. So, you know, we're not getting this data in real time. This is data from a few days ago or a week ago or a week or two ago. So it's, one, probably worse than we know it is now. And two, if that R sub E number rises anymore, we are pretty screwed. Mm -hmm. Like the numbers. So in my example of 100 days um, with the lily pad in the pond example, you know, we're still in the days before we hit like 90. So we haven't hit that exploding exponential growth yet and once that happens you know from you know from the example with a thousand lily pads on a hundredth day starting with you know it, one forming on day 90 in t it took 10 days for it to reproduce a thousand times and so yeah I don't know. I hope this helps kind of illustrate the severity of the exponential growth and the potential of how this is going to spread. I have a different visual that okay. might help. That Please. Came. <laughs> so if anyone has ever done um, their ancestry, like on Ancestry.com or any mm -hmm. of those sites, you get this like family tree that starts and it's the smallest at the top because those are, you know, your your ancient, ancient ancestors. Yeah, yeah. And then they had five kids. Right. And then each of those five kids had like three kids. And then each of those had two. And then we get to this point where we're here now and, you know, everybody's having, you know, one or none. But you can see the families that had more kids get bigger, right? right. And, and very quickly. And your tree starts really small and then it gets huge at the bottom and you can't even keep it on the screen. And right. that's that reproduction number. Yeah, totally. literally it's children totally. it's your yeah. reproduction number but it's the same with viruses so if you picture that in your head what that looks like and if you imagine that each of those children down the line is someone getting infected you can see very quickly how yeah. that virus spreads and how big that number can get yeah great visual thank you for that <laughs> the other crazy thing is that the i don't know if people understand the whole super spreaders concept because you know, it's it sounds like a crazy word, but I feel like people think that, you know, some people just shed more of the virus or something like that. So, are, do you know what the super spreader 
um, I've heard of super spreader events and mm. things like that, but um, I guess I hadn't considered an individual being a super spreader. Okay. Uh, they're not necessarily, it doesn't have to do with the individual. It has to do more with like the circumstance. Okay. And, you know, it the, the whole thing about this pandemic and the virus is that it's so invisible and a lot of people are asymptomatic. And so, you know, they may be more lax with the guidelines and the precautions and all the preventative measures and all that stuff. And because of that, you could be out somewhere or interacting somewhere and unknowingly spread the virus. And what they found with what they've calculated with COVID is that about 10 to 20 people or 10 to 20 percent of people are responsible for 80 percent of the spread. Hmm. Wow. And yeah, and that's not necessarily 10 to 20 percent of certain people or certain types of people or people that behave a certain way. It has more to do with the uncertainty or invisibility of this virus because people mm -hmm. don't know that they're spreading it. But the unknowing spread is happening only with 10 to 20 percent of people. Hmm. And so, yeah, and you can't really know if you're part of that group unless obviously you're just not taking any precautions and just going out everywhere and doing your thing and spreading the virus. But the whole, the whole thing is like, it only takes 10 to 20% hmm. for 80% spread. So... You know, unless you're testing before you interact or something like that. Which even can't... that, you could yeah. have, you could be asymptomatic and have been exposed two days ago. And right, test and that's negative. not even 100% certain. Yeah. So, yeah, the thing, I think one of the big things is that the probability of spreading the virus to people personally may seem low, but it's just very risky in terms of public health mm -hmm. and the complex system and epidemiology. Like, you know, thinking about it percentage-wise, the percentage of, you know, getting the virus seems low. And it seems like, you know, you're unlikely to get it and you're therefore you're unlikely to spread it. But the thing is you don't know and that's the big thing so you have to remove as much risk as possible and obviously the best way to do that is to self-quarantine but also you know there's a lot of other things that go into life and there's other things that you have to do so you still want to remove as much risk as possible. So follow guidelines and mask up and test if you can and self-quarantine when you can, you know, pre and post interaction. And, you know, you have to do all these things to reduce the probability of spreading the virus. And you can look at things, what I've like been liking to do, what I've been, what, what I've liked to do <laughs> lately. <laughs> is look at things from just basic a basic economic standpoint because there's so much kind of being thrown at us and all these different concepts and guidelines that we have to consider and you know different people telling us different things but if we look at things from a basic economic standpoint and economics meaning you know a lot of people relate economics to money but it has it functionally or fundamentally has to do with behavior and how you spend something in in return for something else. That's just about resource management or resource usage. It doesn't have exactly. to be money. Exactly. So a simple principle is the cost benefit principle. 
and you can do a cost benefit analysis on your decision making. And it's almost kind of like a pros and cons list, but you know, is the cost, is the benefit of what you're going to do worth the cost? So, you know, is it worth the cost of potentially infecting someone and them dying? Is that worth the benefit of getting together, you know, with your family or going out or, you know, whatever you want to do? And, you know, it might be, you know, you may calculate it to be beneficial. Um, you know, the cost of like quarantining and testing and following all the guidelines may be worth the benefit of you getting together, you know, taking all those measures to lower the risk as much as possible might be a cost that's worth it for you to go and interact and socialize or whatever. But, you know, there's there's still some risk there. So you kind of have to measure that. And, you know, I'm not saying that people need to lock themselves down and self-quarantine. I mean, I, I'm saying they should, and that's the best case scenario, and that's the best way to prevent the spread. But I also understand, you know, there's other like things going on and there's mental health and, you know, socialization is a huge part of health and mental health. So there's all these things we have to consider. So if you are going to get together with family and whatnot, reduce the risk as much as possible, you know, lower that cost as much as possible so that the benefit is worth it. I mean, still, I don't know if it's worth it to get someone infected and them dying. So, you know, you got to think about that. But yeah. What scares me is that the million people that flew did that and still came to the decision that it was worth it. I don't know if they did that, though. Subconsciously. I think, you know, the, you you think about it. Like, right. they may not sit down and, you know, make a pros and cons chart, but I yeah. think that everyone is doing this mental calculation. And at some level, they thought about it and they still decided, yeah, an airport's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... That's probably too true in most respects, but I also think that they're not really, they don't have like the perspective of the actual severity of what could happen. And like I was saying before, they're psychologically distant from this, you know, they're not seeing it happen, you know, close to them and, the, you know, it's hard and therefore it's harder to believe what's going on in the news or around the world and, you know, the mainstream media gets people hung up on single issues where there's this whole dynamic complex system going on and all these different issues and yeah i mean like we like we don't even know the long-term effects of this virus like i'm seeing science like so um we're going long here so i apologize for that but i just i gotta get this out of my out of my mind or I just I got to speak my mind here so there's you know there's the notion that children are kind of exempt from this whole thing because they're not really affected although there's been like over a hundred or so child deaths in the US from COVID and we don't know the long-term effects exactly so I, I saw something around the nature of the virus and how it uh, affects like like it gets uh, transferred through the mRNA, the messenger RNA, into the cytoplasm of your cells. So cytoplasm is kind of like the juicy, the... It's the goo, cell yeah. goo. <laughs> <laughs> the goo that kind of makes up the cell that the nucleus is, or um, what, what's the, is it the nucleus? No, that's an yeah. atom. Yeah, the um, nucleus is the inside of the cell oh yeah, yeah. nucleus <laughs> inside of the cell so the nucleus is suspended in the cytoplasm within the cell and so the mrna gets in the cytoplasm and it disrupts or mutates certain genes so that it 
creates this virus and replicates it and it um it changes something so that your protein structure changes and uh i, I i'm sorry that i might be mixing some of these things up so i'll try to post some actual information in some scientific resources but the cytoplasm is where your mitochondria live which is like the energy powerhouse for your cells and it's like the fundamental metabolic system or metabolic process you know for your body to function and this virus is affecting that which is why we've seen effects throughout the entire body you know people are mm -hmm. having effects in their brain people are having effects in different systems and it gets into your circulatory system and obviously that goes throughout your body and there could be multi-systemic effects and so we we don't know how this is going to affect us long term and i think i saw that it's affecting some children in terms of um causing vasculitis which is mm. like an inflammation of your blood vessels yeah and that can cause tons of problems throughout your body throughout your systems and lead to like autoimmune issues and kawasaki's disease and stuff like that and so this is like really crazy dangerous stuff that we could be dealing with that we don't know and we don't even know how it might mutate like we're seeing stories from denmark i think where it's already mutated in uh mink oh yeah that's right yeah so like we need to hunker down and like we need to realize the dangers of what we're doing here and the potential risks and you know all that stuff and you know we we can't just act like everything's normal and so yeah i don't know what else to say well, I wanted to add real quick just for um, some perspective on what getting sick as a child can do for you, do to you as an adult. Mm. I don't know if people realize that shingles, which mm. became, you know, a really popular topic because they came out with medication that um, deals with it. So, of course, it's on commercials all over the place because they can make money on it. But <laughs> shingles is an extremely painful condition that mm. people get as adults. And that is from the chickenpox virus. Mm -hmm. So you get that when you're a kid, and then 50 years later, you have your skin on fire. Yeah. And that's something that like we know about, and it happens, and it's a harmless, you know, quote-unquote harmless uh, childhood virus. Obviously, some people have worse effects from it, but that's something that's already happening, and yeah. we know that, and it's still something that happens, and it's very painful. So right. we don't know what's going to happen in 50 years from these kids right. that are getting it. Right. Yeah. And... I mean, the thing is, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope, you know, this isn't as serious as the science is showing that it could be. And the thing is, all all these scientists probably hope they're wrong, too. Like, they don't want this huge pandemic getting out of control and all these people dying. But we have to look at the facts and the numbers that we have and the data that we're getting. And the observations that we can make now and we have all this information now and we can see what's going on in different countries and in areas that have instituted different guidelines and you know we can see how different things are affecting how this is going like we have that information we can see what's going on so yeah, I think uh, I think that's enough. I, I can you, get off my soapbox now. Do you want to end on a quick magic note? Yes, please. <laughs> so, so um, your communication today was very, um, I, I would say, aggressive for you. Like you were very emotionally charged. Um, 
So you have your moon, or the, the transiting moon right now, the, the actual moon that we can see is in opposition to where Mars was when you were born. So the moon is like um, feelings and emotions, and Mars is like outwardly aggressive and action and like forceful. So hmm. you had um, forceful and aggressive emotional things hmm. going on today with that aspect. And Mercury is sextile your Venus, which means that you think and communicate about values. Mm. like what we value as a society mm -hmm. or as you personally. So everything that you talked about today was like, what, do you, what are you valuing? And it was very aggressive. And um, I also pulled the tarot card real quick before we um, started talking. And I wasn't sure that it was going to work, but it's the Six of, six of Swords, which um, is basically saying that the only way to get out of a bad situation is to help each other. Mm. So help is available. Ask for it. Give it. Work together, yeah. and you can get out of the bad situation. So. Yes. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so I have hope. Me too. And yeah, I hope we can finally get over this. It's crazy to me that it's gone this long. I don't think it should have gone this long. Um, there's other places that have done a lot better, mm -hmm. and it's it's pretty sad to be honest, where we're at. It's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll end on that note, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, people, you know, I know this is hard, but, you know, at least get perspective on actually what's going on and do your best to lower the risk as much as possible. That's all I ask. <laughs> so hope that uh, I totally <laughs> lost how I close out but anyway um, yeah I think uh, I don't know we'll just end it there <laughs> thanks for joining us yeah so thanks for joining us as always and I hope that wasn't too um, what's the word <laughs> so boxy <laughs> well not only so boxy but like doomsday <laughs> oh <laughs> well that's where we are sorry i know yeah like you have like uh, that's the thing like you have to know the seriousness and the severity of what's going on and if we don't consider that if we just block that out it's gonna just creep up on us and hit us like you know like a ton of bricks so yep We'll leave it there and see how things go. So I hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and Pam, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter where I am at Pamela underscore Lund. And you might be able to find me on Twitter at CK Disco. Uh, I'm not sure. I kind of feel like I need to spread this information more so maybe i'll get on twitter but yeah we'll see what happens and thanks for joining me as always thank you to pam for joining me as always and hope you come back next week and keep on practicing toodaloo